This is episode six of the Wavy Podcast, where we talk about all things music and lifestyle. I'm your host, Gemma Mastriani, as well as the managing editor of The Soundtrack. Today, I am here with Nacho, aka Harmless. How's it going today? Uh, it's going all right. I'm just staring at my dogs. What kind of dogs do you have? I have a Border Collie and a German Shepherd Greyhound. Right on. What are their names? Rusty and Cassie. Oh my god, that's so cute. Dogs are really the best thing ever, I think. Yeah, they're very distracting right now. They know I'm working, I guess you could say. <laughs> that's 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 fine though. Whatever. Dogs are an acceptable distraction. Um anyway, so funny kind of a funny story how um me and Nacho got connected. So um Back in the day, I, I don't even probably like a few years ago, I kind of discovered his uh, popular single called uh, Swing Lin. And basically, um, I'm a pretty big Emma Chamberlain fan who is a popular YouTuber, for those of you who don't know. Um, she was recently on the cover of Cosmopolitan, which is pretty insane. Um, keep in mind, she just turned 18. <laughs> um, anywho, she kind of posted this year end recap on her Instagram basically just sort of a highlight reel of videos um from her year and videos with her friends and such and she had his song in it and I was like I was watching it and I was like oh my god wait I totally forgot about this song so then I listened to it then I sent him the video via Instagram and he was just like who is this um but that's sort of how we got connected per se anywho so uh yeah I kind of want to talk to you sort of about your musical journey and uh how you got into music uh, I guess out of, you know, I guess everybody wants to say expressive necessity when they talk about why they got into art. But um, I think Twin Cabin started off as literally just like a, or even just music that I make in general started off as like a, ooh, I like listening to music and doesn't seem that hard i bet i could make music too and uh so i just started to record things and then it became a job but uh it literally just started as me trying to make the music that i wanted to hear it wasn't it wasn't some like you know big thing at first it was just kind of like uh, I think it was during the wave of like Odd Future and all these other groups of kids who were just making stuff and uploading it online. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be a part of that for when myself did, and for everyone else, I guess. When did you get into that? Like, how old were you? I think I was 18 or 19. I mean, okay. I recorded, I remember very well where and how and when I recorded Swing Lin and it was my first year of college in my dorm room that I shared with uh, this kid named Will who uh, I would like I would plan out recording based on when he was or wasn't in the room but I lived in like a, a floor full of like absolute jocks <laughs> and okay. so there I was like singing like you know corny songs in their eyes and then like i would also have to like figure out how to record while they were in like blasting music 
think at the time like watch the throne was super popular so they were blasting that or the new schoolboy q record and and i had like a shitty washburn guitar and i would borrow a bass from one of my uh dorm mates and i had like uh pro tools and this uh drum machine and i was like all right dude like this this probably isn't that complicated and it was and then i made the, those songs and i just like periodically like put them up on um soundcloud and Bandcamp, and no one really heard them at first i don't know i still don't know how anybody discovered me but it, it you know it happened and uh and and thus set off uh this journey of uh self-doubt and uh victory <laughs> why self-doubt well i don't think any musician has confidence i think like with everything you make, you think to yourself, this is garbage and uh, no one's going to listen to it or whatever. And I think for a number of years before this EP, I felt that way. Or there was like uh, a goal, like there was like a need to be uh, something, a need to be on Pitchfork or uh, Gorilla versus Bear or all these other things and uh i don't i don't share that sentiment anymore i guess but i remember at the time i was very concerned by those things and motivated to make music by those things uh after you know putting up i'm sure i guess you could say so so when it sort of did blow up like how did that feel i you know what's weird i don't think i was up until right now, I don't think I uh, ever believed that anybody knew of my music. Like, totally honest. Like, I knew that in Mexico was popular, and being from Mexico, that made me very proud. But here in the United States, like, it was almost like uh, an inside joke between me and my chat how uh, weirdly both popular and insignificant I was. So like I had this, uh, I guess you could say this contradiction where I never really believed that I made anything uh, worth talking about. And yet at the same time, I guess people were really connecting to it. It's why I like never made merch, never made anything, never toured, never capitalized on those kinds of opportunities because at the time I was just like, what for? Like no one listens to this. No one's going to buy this shirt. Like I think the first shirts I printed, uh, I think it took like a year for, I think I made like 30 shirts, I think like a year, six months for them to like sell out. And I think after that, I was just like, man, music is bullshit. And, or at least mine is, and no one knows about it. And now I guess it's totally different. Yeah, I saw on Instagram someone even like made some like shoes or something with uh, inspired by the Twin Cabins cover. I made those shoes. You did? Okay. I thought a guy, a guy, um, a guy for Christmas, he really wanted to have me sign his girlfriend's shoes. 
and I wanted to make it more special, so I drew the album cover on her shoes. So I, I always try, like, for me, it's it's more of a, 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 like, the whole musical project is a good way to connect with uh, people that I otherwise would never know. Because uh, as, as I'm getting older, I, I just, uh, I'm losing my ego when it comes to music. And especially after my accident, I'm losing my ego when it comes to music. So it's just nice to connect with people. I will admit it is insane that people have me tattooed on them that's when i realized like oh this is real i guess yeah totally that's that's wild um so i i do want to talk about the accident but first things first when did you start getting a lot of listens when yeah i mean i did my best to not pay attention to that because (laughs) because uh like I think I was worried that I, it would get to my head or better better yet, um, my group chat, who I love very, very dearly, uh, these kids from Chicago. Well, they're not kids anymore. Uh, in New York, we've always had like an inside joke about uh, my music to the degree that I don't pay attention to it anymore. Like we, we don't trash on it. We just kind of like, We've always made a joke about how um, pigeonholed artists can get by some of their uh, earlier releases and how difficult it is to graduate from that fact. And so they were around for a big part of when, I guess what you're talking about, when like people really started to listen to my stuff. And I just didn't want to play guitars anymore. So... Uh, I, I I really ignored my project. <laughs> ah, okay. Got the sniffles. <laughs> you and me both. Um, so is most of your audience currently, is it in Mexico or is it more America? I think it's both. Okay, cool. Um, I, I had a management team for a while who knew this information better. Right. I, I tend to like do my heart at like, try my hardest to not like look at numbers if that makes any sense yeah no totally i don't know if the that's good for your podcast but um i find that when you look at numbers and you're trying to equate it to like how good your art is or how successful your art is then that means that you're uh you're creating an expectation and uh a like place for you to be like okay once i reach here then i've arrived and then i'm successful but that goalpost will always move so i think maybe you i think you can understand this as well but like let's assume when you started this podcast you got 50 listens right and Mm -hmm. you got stoked and then that number grew exponentially over time but like your your goalpost for like what would bring you joy like moves further and further ahead than when you started when you started you were just stoked to be making it and after a certain point you're just like okay well is this podcast or is this song successful if i don't get playlisted and i don't get fifty thousand hits that 
that kind of like number culture got me so upset that I just like do my best to not pay attention to it. I feel that my music has, it feels as though my music has become popular to me only because people reach out to me more and I love talking to them. That That's what makes me feel like, oh, like my, my music is, is getting out there and people are unafraid to approach me and and or message me on Instagram and I always respond because I'm just stoked, you know? I feel like those are the quote-unquote numbers that uh, that I look at or like what brings me joy when someone is just like, hey, dude, like really happy about blah, 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 can't wait. And then I respond and they're like, oh, I didn't know that you were going to respond. And I'm like, why wouldn't I, man? Like I work for myself. I got nothing to do. And you seem kind of nice. Yeah, I think that's really cool. And you do make a really good point. Um, I think, you know, with followers and everything, like no matter what the number is, like you're always going to want more. And that relates for like a lot of things in life, like even money and such. But I think that's a really he- uh, healthy perspective that you have to sort of not pay attention to that in a culture where followers and likes is so um, predominant to people. So I applaud you for that. I know you've had a few different names uh, you've gone by. So there's Twin Cabins and then Canito, I believe. And then now you go by Harmless, um, which I find interesting. I have a friend who actually goes between a different some different names as well. But i um, curious about each of those names and why you're sort of sticking with Harmless currently. Well, I did the switch from Twin Cabins to Harmless primarily because i didn't want to play guitars anymore at the time like i was just over it or like over the idea of like uh beach rock music and like it was one of those things where i'm uh, i feel that if i continue to make that music then my career would probably be in a completely different place and maybe like i would be bigger or something like that mm-hmm. okay and- but yeah, I, I, I like left that name out of, uh, how would you say, artistic necessity. It's just like, uh, and, I, and I often tell this to everyone that asks me, like, why'd you change your name? Or like, are you going to make like another thing like Swing Lin or this or that? And I say, well, I changed my name so that it removes that expectation of you wanting that. Uh, like, like it's sort of like, you know, when, when an artist makes a very stylistic change or like is interested in a different instrument or a different style that the one that they were most popular from, they often like alienate or remove a big part of their audience because you know, I think like a lot of fans now carry uh, the privilege of expectation or like they feel that they deserve something from a musician and they deserve what they like. And I didn't feel it was honest of me to keep that name and to not deliver on that expectation. 
And so I changed it. And anytime I feel like doing something different, I guess it just makes more sense to change the name. Like Canito was just like, and I guess I still do it sometimes, but it was literally just like, oh man, like I really like listening to beats. I wonder what it would be like if I just like took a bunch of samples from my favorite songs in Spanish and then made my own beats. And like, it's not fair for me to put that out as Twin Cabins or Homeless because it's not that. So I just made a new pseudonym and like the same goes with harmless, like harmless is like saxophones and soft boy bullshit. And you know, all the, all the makings of, of like art school neurosis and like twin cabins is none of that. So I guess that's why I changed my name. Yeah, I think that's a really cool perspective to have. Um, you make a really good point. I don't know if you're in, are you an Arctic Monkeys fan at all? Uh, I mean, I've heard them, but I think I know what you're going to talk about, where it's just <laughs> like when they went from AM to the last record, a yep. lot of people were like, what the fuck? That's exactly like, what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, because AM was such a, well, in all honesty, I think... Um, their prior stuff was a bit more like heavy rock and roll. And then they did AM and it was very um, commercial radio type esque. And that's how they sort of brought a new big abundance of like mainstream bands. And then they kind of went to, uh, they went to Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, which is like very much like an experimental psychedelic kind of record, I'd say. And everyone was like, what that, like, I don't, what is this? Cause it's so far from what you would hear on the radio, you know? I mean, well, that's the risk you face, right? Where it's like, but they're a large enough band where it almost doesn't matter. You know, like at a certain point when you become so big, like your name is basically just your brand. And every record is a different, like kind of serial. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And with them, you know, and so they, they have the privilege and liberty to just be like, we carry enough. Uh, wait around the same that if we try something new people will hear it because it's tight to our name but I guess for me it was one of those things where it's just like at the time I was like no one knows who Twin Cabins is who cares I'll just change it and I was very wrong I, I guess that's like one of the few areas where it's like I should have looked at the numbers you know yeah in all honesty when I did when I rediscovered you, I was a bit confused and like I looked it up on Instagram, but then it kind of came up as like, yo, soy harmless. And then I was like, wait, is this the same person? But whatever, you're, you're doing your own thing. And if uh, you're happy making music under that name, then whatever. <laughs> yeah, as for Arctic Monkeys, I guess you also make a good point. I mean, it really didn't matter because they went on a whole arena tour and, uh, you know, was successful with that. So. Anywho, um, curious about what living in LA is like and what the music scene is like there. Um, living in LA is cool. I feel like I live in LA because it's comfortable and because it's close enough to my parents' house and because I don't like snow. I feel like there was something more metaphysical for me to say, but it literally is just like, I don't like wearing different outfits. 
I just like uh, shirts and pants. Like, if you tell me I got to wear long johns and a snow jacket, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty rough out here. (laughs) So, like, and the music scene here is, I don't know, man. It's been going through a lot of different changes. I guess LA has its pockets of, like, whatever you might like and prefer. Like, you know, there are are shows going on all the time but it's too spread out as a city that it doesn't make sense to really go to every show or to participate in every like event just because it's such a hassle so like you pick and choose what you want to do and uh as somebody who doesn't play live very often i'm like so removed from the live scene that I almost feel like I would be providing misinformation if, if I gave any opinion on this matter, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. Um, but curious why it's a hassle. Oh, dude, it's like driving in LA, it could take you like For, for all you Canadian folks and Mexico folks and all that, it'll take you maybe half hour, 45 minutes to drive maybe three to five kilometers Jeez. sometimes. And there's no like, you know, and like there's no subway or like whatever subway there is doesn't often lead to areas you want to go to. And, you know, if you take the bus, then you're just another part of traffic. So it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, a city that's so congested that, like, during nighttime, like, prime hours and stuff like that, it's just, like, such an unbelievable hassle to, like, get around. And, like, Uber's becoming more expensive. And logistically, it's just unfun to go from point A to point B. I mean, like, the joke often is here that... uh if you live in Hollywood and you're going out with someone in the valley or in on the west side, like closer to the beach, you're in a long distance relationship, even though you're only like seven miles away, because it'll take you an hour and a half to get from point A to point B. I mean, when I used to work at this clothing store after I got out of college, uh, sometimes it would schedule me to work at the store in Venice. And I lived at the time in Los Feliz. And it was a 55-minute bike ride or a hour-long, hour-long or hour and 10-minute long uh, drive. And then look for parking. So, like, it was even, it was faster to bike to a lot of different areas. In fact, I think, like, before my accident, I used to bike to uh when i played shows i would just cycle to the venue uh with like my backpack and my gear and like show up because like loading in is such a pain in the ass even in a lot of different places that's pretty crazy like i'm shocked that um as more and more people move there they wouldn't come up with some sort of better subway system in toronto it's pretty it's pretty decent um but the city is getting more and more populated every year so i'm scared it's gonna 
turn into that. <laughs> it probably won't. I mean, like, the problem with this is just, like, it's too expensive to ever create a comprehensive subway system. Like, it just feels like we're catching up. Like, we're building one right now, but it won't be done for a while. And yeah. Buses are super unreliable. Like, it's just not good. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> but, but you know what? At least you get the sunshine. So. Yeah, it's super windy right now, though. So, like, I think that's why my allergies are kicked up. But it is sunny and 70-some degrees. Lucky you. Lucky you. Um, <laughs> but I would love to talk about your new EP, Conditions, which I do really like. Um, one aspect I really do like is sort of the recordings of your friends checking in on you and such. Uh, I just think, I don't know, there's just some sort of sense of like beauty in that that I could really appreciate. Um, but yeah, curious about the background to that. Well, again, sorry for the sniffles. All good. But um, I guess basically the reason I made it was because after I got into my accident, I, I needed something to do because I couldn't walk and I needed and it, and it wasn't like out of uh, you know this necessity to like be like oh shit bad thing happened to me I have to make art you know like mm-hmm. all these songs didn't really even have a plan I was just making them uh, I think there was there was maybe one that I was working on shortly before the accident that I finished after the accident. I think that's the opening track. But everything else was just stuff that I was like toying around with while I was in recovery. And those voicemails and those samples and the things you're talking about were just like a good marker for me to like contextualize for myself where the music was coming from. So like the songs aren't very reflective uh, lyrically or sonically, maybe sonically a little bit, but like they aren't very reflective of like being in an accident or like the pain I was in or like the emotions I was, you know, processing. Like, so I, as I was making it, I like had to figure out a way to ground myself. And so whenever people left me voicemails or I would take like clips from videos that I was taking while I was recovering and I would just like paste them into uh, the songs. And it just like gave me a good reminder of the journey that I went through. I guess it's like the only component of the EP that is like very personal Mm -hmm. or that can be perceived as like, Oh, this is not about, me or I can't you know I can't take this song as an outside listener and just make it about me you know kind of like when you listen to Swing Lin you might listen to that song and it's probably the reason it's popular is because it could be about anything it could be about anyone Uh, and anybody could listen to it and make it their own and make it their own moment. And I guess with Condiciones, I kind of selfishly was like, 
And I guess it wasn't selfish because I wasn't planning on sharing it. But while well, I was making it, but like I put those little clips in because I was just like, okay, this song is this little part of the song is for me to remind myself that I'm okay. You know, I think like even the third track, like it's just like a cute little lullaby with a friend, a friend's voicemail letting me know like how far I've come from my recovery and like that interlude. It's just, you know, it's something that I made for myself at the time to like feel better about the situation that I was in. I think that is really beautiful, though. Um, yeah, there are a lot of great songs out there that everyone can interpret for themselves. But I really love when I can understand specifically what an artist is going through and what is going on in their head and, you know, whatever situation it may be. I really enjoy um specifics so i think you did an amazing job at by adding those um those clips in to make it so personal and um yeah i just i just really appreciate that if you're comfortable could you sort of expand on what the accident was well basically i got t-boned by a drunk driver while i was uh riding my bike to work on a sunday morning this dude was going like 50 miles per hour and he uh, he T-boned me while I was riding my bike and thankfully because I was wearing a helmet and according to the doctors because I was in really good shape, which is just a very uh, slick way of telling your listeners that I was like super buff and hot in 2017. <laughs> um, when I got launched uh, after the impact, I got launched like 120 feet and all my body and muscles were like my armor and despite you know very uh very critical near fatal or life-changing injuries uh i've made a considerably remarkable recovery i mean like i'm walking and i operate all right i get tired and you know i'm classified as disabled but uh, I, uh, it's not anywhere from where I was supposed to end up. I mean, my, I don't know if you know what your sacrum is, but it's, uh, the, the butt of your back, like right before your vertebrae starts broke, my pelvis broke, like eight ribs broke, like my liver was bleeding internally, like my lungs were bruised, like the left side of my face was totally fractured. They had to like rebuild part of my face through plastic surgery because like my bottom lip tore off and like my eyelid came off so like it was it was gnarly I was supposed to be paralyzed uh from the amount of my injuries and the worst part is I never lost consciousness so like I was awake for all of that up until I got into surgery and boy boy I tell you what it was not fun and uh now i'm here and so like while i was recovering from all those things at home my bandmate uh my and like dear friend drew brought me a teenage op1 to like play around with and i would play around with it and like whatever i could come up with i would like try to remember and then uh, when I was finally in, like, a wheelchair and, like, could sit on my laptop for 
a couple of minutes, uh, I would like try to record those ideas and like work on them. And I guess that's like, that's it. I guess that's where the EP came from. It was just like a, a necessity to figure out what I was going through for myself, not necessarily for, uh, for clicks, you know, for the numbers. Well, I'm so sorry that happened to you. That's absolutely terrible. Um, I'm super, super against drunk driving, as everyone should be. I find that, you know, I know some people in my life who do it, and I think it's just, I don't support that. You know, it's always okay until it's not okay. It's always okay until something happens. And I think enough, not enough people understand that. And um, I think it's great that you're telling your story and, I thank you for doing that today on the podcast, but I am curious about how this has changed your perspective on life or if it did at all. Well, it certainly will make it difficult to tour if I ever do it. I think I will do it soon. Um, makes me more tired, gives me a deeper appreciation for things, but you know, also PTSD is a bitch. Um, so it's just like a, a new, uh, a new roadway and a new set of challenges. But I don't know. I feel like, you know, my mom and my friends, especially my mom have reminded me that, uh, I already went through the worst part and it's true. The worst part was almost being killed by someone and everything thereafter is just processing what that means and how I will learn and like, kind of learn to live with that and I think that the silver lining is that I'm young enough and strong enough that for this to have happened is something that I can and have the time to overcome and in many ways already have so it it, it, although it has changed me I'm I'm hoping that it's, uh, you know, like after this release and everything, I hope that it's just like, it's a, a, it's a footnote to what is, what will otherwise be, uh, a, uh, great life. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, I wish you all the best in your journey in recovering and, uh, it sounds like you've come a long way thus far which is amazing. And um, yeah, I think that that makes the EP like super special. Um, I am curious about if any artist, any artists did inspire the sound of this. Um, definitely Talk Talk. Uh, definitely Destroyer. Uh, definitely. Actually, while I was in the hospital, I got really obsessed with this, uh, He's actually from Toronto. Uh, he's a Canadian sax player, uh, Joseph Shabison. Okay, I haven't heard of him, but I'll have to check uh, him out. He played in a he played on a lot of Destroyer records. He actually played on the album that made me want to pick up music, which is uh, Destroyer's Kaput. And uh, since then, a lot of my music has been inspired by that, but. While I was in the hospital, I was listening to Joseph Shabison's record. Uh, and especially like while I was getting through pain, 
And uh, when uh, when I got out of the hospital and was finally able to like get on a laptop, I like emailed him to thank him, and he's just been like his music has been just such a like uh, a source of nourishment, like both artistically and you know I guess you could say spiritually. So a lot of his a lot of the new EP has been inspired by his his records or like his his use of uh i guess you could say uh atmosphere wow okay cool i'll definitely have to uh check that out um so you produce this all from home then yeah that's that's awesome cool do you have like a studio or is it just like from your room? No, I have like a one bedroom apartment. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. It's interesting. All, most artists I've had on the podcast thus far have produced from home as well. It just seems to be like the best decision financially, which is cool. So um, what programs do you use? Uh, I use Ableton. Okay. So I, I mix everything myself. I had a, I had my buddy Dan uh, master it. And I think Little Castle Mastering. That's the only thing that I just don't do anymore. I don't master records. Um, are you currently working on any new music? Yeah, yeah, definitely already. Uh, it's kind of funny though. Like my friends and other bands are like, dude, like let this let this release live. Don't like put something out yet. Don't do this yet. And I'm like compulsively like, okay, well. <laughs> I'm already doing other stuff. And, like, the, the new stuff I'm working on is, like, I, I guess you could say, like, full-on pop. But, cool. uh, but like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm already, I'm already moving. Sweet. Well, I look forward to hearing what's next. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast today. Do you have any final words? <laughs> you know, just, uh... If you find my Instagram, feel free to send me a message. I'm down to talk. Uh, hope you're having a wonderful day. And, uh, you know, I hope you like the new EP. And if you don't, that's okay, too. There's so much good music out there. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. I had a good time, I guess you could say. Great. Yeah. And is I know the EP is not on Spotify. It'll be on uh, Spotify. Well, technically, you know, in in Cali, new records come out at 9 p.m. on Thursday because that's midnight on the East Coast, which means Friday. So it'll be out Friday, the 31st. January 31st? Yep. Okay, so yeah, by the time this airs, people, it is already out. Check it out on Spotify. So you can find that under the artist name Harmless on Spotify. Give them a follow on Instagram at YoSoyHarmless. Um, but thank you so much for being here today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, and for all the listeners, thank you for listening thus far. Um, just a reminder, we are throwing our very first The Soundtrack Live event. It's at the Horseshoe Tavern. $10. Um, it's 19 and up, so I'm sorry for if if any of you are not 19. Um, <laughs> but we got the Slow Drags headlining. 
This is on March 19th. It'd be great to see you all there. But yeah, I will, uh, new episode coming out next Tuesday. Have a good day, everybody.